This podcast is a production of Faith Living Church. If you like what you hear, join us for church sometime in our Plantsville, Connecticut location, Saturdays, 6 p.m., or Sundays, 9 and 11 a.m., or online anytime at faithlivingchurch.com. I want to talk about everyday heroes, everyday heroes, and they're around us all the time, genuinely are. There's a lot of heroes here in this room and who are watching online today and downstairs in the cafe as well. Uh, philosopher John Dewey, he says, the deepest urge in human nature is the desire to be important. Dads, you're important. Now, let's just face the reality. Every situation in all of our families is not necessarily perfect. Some folks don't have a dad. And there's broken homes and there's a lot of overlapping that we do. But I'm telling you, God's will and his principles for dads is still the same. And we need to shoot for, you know, his guidelines and his goals for us. And we need to honor the men uh, who, some guys who just can't have children for whatever reason, but they get the heart of a dad. And they nudge other, you know, kids and teens and whoever else closer to God and, and encourage them as best as they can. But this philosopher, John Dewey, says, the deepest urge in human nature is the desire to be important. Deep down... We long for significance. We really want our life to count, to make a difference. We long to be someone's hero, to be honest with you. And, uh, well, let me see here. i got something in my bag. I better move this little cup of water there. All right. Now, I don't know if you've ever heard of a, a sandwich called a hero. Well, I really wanted a piece of bread about four times this size, but when you're dealing with gluten-free stuff, you got to take what you got, you know? Okay. When we moved to New England, to be honest with you, I was absolutely shocked. All these little delis that we would go by, and I know that, you know, Waterbury was like the capital or something of where they do all this machine shop and screws and all that kinds of stuff. But I could not understand why they sold tools in delis. You know, it always had grinders for sale, you know. <laughs> and I'm thinking, that's something I sharpen my axe with, you know. Until one day I found out, and we got this, it was a Marquis Jean bread, I think they called it. It was a big loaf like this, and this thick, it was just fresh. And anyhow, I'm going to do my best to create what I used to get, you know, when I could eat other good stuff. All right. And I do my best to incorporate eating into any sermon I can <laughs> since I haven't had anything but a couple sips of coffee this morning, you know. Oh, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. Now, what should I start with first? I heard somebody say mayonnaise. Okay. Mayonnaise. All right. Now, how much should I put on here? What? Okay, is that good? Well, you know. All right. I like mayonnaise. What else? Oh, mustard? There we go. Got some mustard to start with here. Just a little bit, you know. Okay. Pretty good. Oh, wow, that's real good. 
And uh, well, I'll wait for that one. Now, what should I start with? You said lettuce? You start with lettuce first? Don't, I don't really care as long as it gets on the sandwich, you know? <laughs> don't really matter to me. Okay, what about some, there's some ham. There's some turkey. There's some salami. There's some, I don't think none will be left, you know. There's a little pepperoni. I'm not really a big pepperoni guy, but you know what, there's this there. And now we got some cheese. Oh, yeah. You gotta remember to take the paper off before you put that on there. It does give you a little fiber. I said, oh, tomatoes. I got tomatoes. Wow. Hmm. You know what? I don't think we put enough meat on there yet. You know? <laughs> All right. Oh, a little tan salad dressing. That always tops it off a little bit there, you know. Yeah. Oh, I wish I had some, but. I have black pepper, that's close enough. <laughs> Freshly ground. I'm gonna need what? Okay. Okay, let's see here. This is covering my microphone. I said the chips and the ham end up where they gonna end up. Oh. You know. I didn't hear that. <laughs> Lord bless this. In Jesus' name, thank you for it. Ah. Mm. Mm. Oh, wow. Mm. Oh. oh, that's breakfast. <laughs> wow. Happy Father's Day. You made to be dismissed. <laughs> now, that was an awesome hero, okay? But I ain't nothing compared to the everyday heroes who are here in this room today. And I'm talking about dads. I'm talking about the men who have the heart of a dad. And as I said before, just like Mother's Day, we got situations where everything wasn't perfect, but we still follow God's principles, and we look and we see, and we honor the men who were dads, you know? I got some mayonnaise in my mustache. Tastes good, but I kind of getting in the way of talking. <laughs> okay. Oh, wow. That's good. So, we understand a hero, nice crusty bread, Mayonnaise, mustard, salad dressing, big old slabs of meat in there, lettuce, tomatoes, cheese. Oh, it's, it's good stuff. But it's different than the hero I want to talk about today. As good as it is, don't even compare. I'm talking about a person who is endowed with courage, courage and strength. Someone who fights for a cause. I mean, a noble cause, you know, and dads, you have a noble cause, you have a noble purpose, and that's your family, 
And I'm not talking about just when they're little. I'm talking about your life long. And uh, the way we inspire dads, other people who come across our path, who is in our sphere of influence. There was a, a Father's Day card in a Hallmark shop, and it said, not all heroes wear capes. <laughs> you know, some do, but not all heroes wear capes. Now, I don't know if you're familiar with this or not. My generation, we had some heroes, you know. Uh, you might not recognize some of them. Let me put my glasses somewhere. Don't let me forget these things right there. If I put them over there, I might eat them or something in a <laughs> moment accidentally. But uh, faster than a speeding bullet, more powerful than a locomotive, you know. How's the rest of that thing go? Yes. Who is that talking about? Superman. That's what we're talking about. And then we had Tarzan. Y'all have Tarzan? We had Tarzan. You know, we had Zorro. Y'all remember Zorro? Some of you are going, Zorro who? You know, Zorro. Three Musketeers, Roy Rogers, the Lone Ranger, and you can't forget Tonto. He was heroic as well. Spider-Man. We had Batman and Robin. And the, the Hulk was just coming on the scene when I was a teenager. He just kind of made his debut, <clears throat> at least on the screen. <clears throat> and then we had another cartoon hero, and his name was Adam Ant. Anybody ever remember Adam Ant? Anybody. Okay. Three of you are old, just like me. Okay, gotcha. But you think about this, you know. These guys, these heroes, and you got more today. They're just everywhere. These guys, all these heroes, you know, uh, they did things that ordinary people couldn't do. It, it was amazing, and that's why everybody is drawn to the theaters or the comic books when a new hero movie or something comes out, you know. But there's something we need to remember that heroes, they served other people. That was what heroes was all about, you know. They served other people. They put their life on the line for other people. That's one common thing that all heroes had in common, you know. They were unselfish. They were untiring, you know, and they served others. A lot of the heroes you'd see part of their plot and their theme, they wouldn't even get married because they didn't want to put their, their wife or their spouse in jeopardy because they were so concerned about others. And they were always on call and they were called to help others. One thing about all heroes is they served. Genuinely. You look at them. I mean a good hero. There's some bad ones out there, but the good heroes, they always served others. Sounds a lot like dads to me. At least a lot of the dads I know. And lots of times no one knows because they don't wear a cape, you know, but they serve and they make sacrifices and they go out of their way and they do things for their kids that their kids will never know about. Some of them will find about at their funeral when someone tells about it, but there's sacrifices and there's service that a lot of dads, they render. And I just want to say thank you. And I know what I'm talking about because I know a lot of dads, you know, and I am a dad as, as well. And one of the things about doing heroic things, we never feel like we do that much. We feel like a failure. We feel like I could have did more, but still you're heroic and you make a difference. You really do, dads, and I commend you this day. And it says here in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 14, 
It says, with the help of the Holy Spirit, who lives within us, carefully guard what has been entrusted to you. Guys, our wives, our children have been entrusted to us. The Bible, it tells us God's word has been entrusted to us. And it nourishes us in our faith and it nourishes the faith of our children. And we must understand God has entrusted families and his word to us. And we are responsible to do our part to build their faith and to inspire them and to encourage them. You are the, the guard. You, you, you are the protectors. You genuinely are, you know. There was a, a golfer I had read about, oh, some years ago by the name of Juan, they called him Chichi Rodriguez. He was born October the 23rd in 1935 in Puerto Rico. He was a professional golfer. He was the winner of eight PGA Tour events, the first Puerto Rican to be inducted into the World Golf Hall of Fame, you know. And uh, I looked him up and read a lot about him, and when he would make a hit, he had this, he would pull out one of his golf clubs and do this little sword fighting thing like he was fighting a bull or something or another, you know. But he, he was uh, a great inspiration. But he tells one day uh, about a memory he had of his father. And he said, one night, about two in the morning, my father caught a man stealing bananas from our backyard. And he went over to the man with his machete and he took the bananas and he cut the branch of bananas. You know, there's bananas all over the thing. He cut it in half, you know, and he said, here, you can have this. He gave him half of it. And then he said, from now on, if you need anything from the back of our house, you come to the front. He was no coward. He was courageous. And he was Chi-Chi's uh, hero because he saw that his dad was a protector. And he would protect, you know, although he was generous and kind, you know, in helping this other guy out. The word courage is talking about an inner strength to venture, to persevere, to confront risk, to confront danger, to confront fear, and to confront difficulty, and to conduct yourself valiantly, to have guts, bravery, fortitude, you know. This is the stuff that dads are made out of. They really are. And you may not see it because they don't wear a cape, but they do this kinds of stuff. They really do. I call them everyday heroes because they're hard to identify because they're not wearing a cape and a mask and things like that. But they inspire courage in their sons and, and daughters. The Bible is a book of courage. You know, where ordinary people are invaded by God. And that's what makes the difference. It really does. An everyday hero of what we're talking about. Listen to what the scripture says. In 1 Corinthians 16, 13, be on guard. Stand firm in the faith. I mean, talking about like a solid rock. Be men of courage. Be strong. Don't be a wimp when it comes to your faith, man. You know. And it goes to say in verse 14, and everything you do, must be done with love. Do you think that was done with love? Absolutely. Willing to risk his life, willing to give his life for his child. An everyday hero. It takes courage to show love. To show love today, give your kid a kiss, a hug, say I love you. It takes a lot of courage to do that, you know. And some guys think that, you know, 
Love is uh, it's a sign of weakness. That's a lie from the pits of hell, you know. Yeah. You know, all heroes, they don't wear capes. But all heroes have courage to serve. Yeah. They all do. But they don't necessarily wear a cape. But they have courage to love and to be unashamed about it. Now, I don't know if we got it or not. Does anybody know, did we get that other picture I was trying to get on there this morning? we get that? No one knows? Well, I'll tell you about it. I saw this. It is awesome. It disappeared. Now, that's my favorite hero right there. You know, he's right there in the middle. His name's Jesus. And he's telling all these other guys, and that's how I saved the world. That's awesome. Thanks, James, for getting that out for me there. Thanks, Jose, for sending it to me last night. I told her about it, but I didn't know where I could find it. But I'm going to tell you, he's the greatest hero, is he not? He's an inspiration to us dads, you know. And he had the courage to love us, did he not? And he beat the stuffings out of the devil. His plan was to come and go to the cross for you. And for me, genuinely, that was the case. Dads are real heroes, superheroes in any child's life. But rarely do dads feel heroic, you know. They really don't, and I know, you know. Heroes are heroes not because they serve themselves. And there are people who want to do heroic things to show off themselves. Their own strength is all about them and those kind of guys are what you might would call a zero, not a hero. There's a difference when you're serving yourself or if you're serving other people. Matthew chapter 23, verse 11 says, The greatest among you must be a servant. Hey, dads, I think that's talking about you. It takes courage to serve. It takes courage to love. It really does. It takes courage to make a sandwich in front of you guys and eat it, you know? When I only have enough for me, you know, that takes a lot of courage, I know. No. But it says the greatest among you must be a servant. Second Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9 says, You know how full of love and kindness our Lord Jesus Christ was. And he was and is heroic in his fight against evil and darkness to rescue you and me. But it says, you know how full of love and kindness our Lord Jesus Christ was. Though he was very rich, yet for your sakes, he became poor. He left all the riches and glory. He left all that power behind him, emptied himself out, so that by his poverty, he could make you rich. There's an old song and it goes, you know, he came from heaven to earth to show the way. From the earth to the cross, my debt to pay from the cross to the grave and then from the grave to the sky in the resurrection lord i lift your name on high jesus did what we call he descended we've, we've talked about this concept before but jesus descended into greatness he humbled himself you know through humility he served others and as he humbled himself and as he descended he became greater and greater because he served all of us. And that's the way to pursue greatness, to be honest with you. Uh, and humbling ourselves 
and becoming less and less makes us a hero. Exalting ourselves makes us a zero. Well, Jesus explained how to achieve this greatness. In Matthew chapter 20, verse 26, it says, whoever wants to be great must become a servant. And that's what dads are. Whether you know it or not, the things they do and the behind the scenes and the, the good of working, this is not taken away from any moms. We know that moms are awesome, you know, but we're talking about dads today and they are servants. And we all fall short. We all miss the mark. And that's why we need a savior for ourselves. He says here in Matthew 20, 26, whoever wants to be great must become a servant. They're great. They serve. They're, they're heroes. And verse 27 says, and this is the hero's call, it says, whoever wants to be first among you must be your slave. I'm talking about a serious servant here. Verse 28 says, that is what the Son of Man has done. He came to do what? Serve. Jesus, he came to serve, not be served. And then to give away his life, to die for us in exchange. This is talking about ransom for the many who are held hostage because of their sins. Jesus had the courage to serve, to come here as a servant. And he descended into greatness. And, and he is the greatest hero of all times. And all other heroes look to him like that picture we had there. As he's telling about he, how he saved the whole world, you know. There's an old, another old biblical song we have sung. If you want to be great in God's kingdom, you learn to, to be the servant of all. And dads, I see that lots of times in you. And I commend you for your heart of descending into greatness. Robert R. Kopp, he tells the story of Walter, a young man who went to work for the largest corporation in the world. The personal director, personnel director, told Walter that he must start at the bottom and work his way up. So he began work in the mailroom, and Walter liked his job. But often he daydreamed about what it would be like to be an executive, the president, maybe even the chairman of the board. And one day as Walter was dividing the mail, he saw a cockroach in the corner of the room. As he walked over to step on it, Walter heard a tiny voice crying out, don't kill me, I'm Milton the cockroach. Now I'm not sure this has actually happened or not, <laughs> but it has a good principle behind it, okay? It says, don't kill me, I'm Milton the cockroach. And if you spare me, I'll grant all your wishes. So Walter agreed that that was a good arrangement. So he spared Milton's life. Walter's first wish was to leave the mailroom and become a vice president. So Milton granted the wish. In fact, Milton granted wish after wish until finally Walter was chairman of the board of the largest corporation in the world with an office on the top floor of the tallest building in the world. Everyone looked up to Walter, and he was very happy. Walter often said to himself, I am Walter, and I'm at the top. No one is bigger or more important than me. And then one day Walter heard footsteps on the roof, and he went out to find a small boy on his knees praying. Are you praying to Walter, he asked. After all, he is the chairman of the board of the largest corporation in the world. But the boy replied, oh, no, I'm praying to God. 
So Walter was quite disturbed by this turn of events. So he returned to his office and he sent for Milton the cockroach. He says, I have another wish. He told Milton, I want to be like God. And so Milton granted Walter's wish. And the next day, Walter was back in the mailroom. <laughs> See, we all have this inward drive for greatness, you know, for importance, to, to, to be heroic. But God intends for us to live a life of significance, you know, to really make a difference. And he'll help us to accomplish that. Um, and it has nothing to do with exalting ourselves and lifting our own self up, but it has to do with serving. And that's the heartbeat of God. That's why Jesus came to this earth to serve us. So to be a hero, you got to follow the example of Jesus Christ. All other heroes look to him. They really do. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 says, Your attitude should be the same that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not demand and cling to his rights as God, his power and all those things. He laid those things aside. And it says in verse 7, he made himself what? Nothing. Jesus made himself nothing. It's not about me. It's about you. That's when Jesus came here. It's about others. That's why he came. Not to exalt himself, but he came here to serve. It goes on to say he took the humble position of a slave. He served, and he appeared in a human form. He, he descended through humility into greatness. And verse 8 says, and in human form, he obediently humbled himself even further by dying, dying for us, a criminal's death on a cross. And there's no greater heroic action than giving one's life for other people. There's a Knoxville, Tennessee father he gave his daughter the gift of life. 11-year-old Erica Morse was born with only one kidney. And when that one failed, her father Rick made good on his promise to do anything for her. And by giving her one of his kidneys, he says all his years of worry have now turned to joy. Because she was thriving and she was doing well. And there's a movie, I don't know if you've seen it or not. It's been out for quite a few years now. It's called Cinderella Man. It's another movie worth watching. There's a lot that aren't worth watching, but this is a one that's really worth watching. It's starring the guy named Russell Crowe, and it's based on a life of legendary boxer James J. Braddock. And uh, it's a celebration of this man who, who models sacrificial love for his family. And in the movie, you know, he's kind of, you know, outdated in the boxing world and thinking about coming back and, his kids are all piled into bed, the electricity, the water's all been cut off from their little flat there. Now all the milk is gone, there's nothing left to eat. And the only thing that's standing between those kids in absolute destitution and desperation is their dad. And their dad went. He went before all these really rich and famous guys at this club, and they loved him when he was winning. But now he's up there and he's an embarrassment to them because he's telling them about his kids. And he says, I... I just need some help. I need some money. So he passed his hat. And they're embarrassed. They're spending more dollars at their little club that day than he, he needs to keep his kids alive for a couple of months. So they're embarrassed. But he didn't care. He did what he had to do to keep his 
kids together. And he promised they would not be separated. You know, and then he became a phenomenal boxer once again. But the whole concept is a sacrifice that a man made on behalf of his kids. I'm talking about an everyday kind of a hero. Ephesians tells us there, chapter 4, verse 1, it says, I, a prisoner, and this is being a prisoner out of love, a love slave, if you would, I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. God has called you to fatherhood. And many of you who don't have kids of your own, you got this heart. You want to encourage the little kids. That's why the things that we do at Vacation Bible Adventure is so important. That's the reason we switched from having a 9 o'clock in the morning, you know, Vacation Bible School, where the most we ever had is like 90 kids, you know, all of them in different little classrooms. We switched it to having it at night from 6 o'clock to 9 o'clock so the men could get involved. And, you know, all the kids we reach out to, they need some men in their life. They need some men of courage, you know, who can speak to them and who are ashamed to, or unashamed to bow their heads and pray and show that, hey, even courageous men, we need Jesus as well. Um, in Psalm 68, verse 5, it says, Father to the fatherless, defender of widows, this is God whose dwelling is holy. And it says God places the lonely in families and he sets the prisoners free and gives them joy. And you know, many of us here, we sponsor a kid in Ethiopia. You know, uh, some orphan kids, kids who've lived in a garbage dump, kids who have a lot less than we do. We sponsor them and we make sure they're fed every day. We establish a church there for them who can love them and care for them, take care of their basic physical and medical and educational needs. A lot of us do that. Faith Living Church has done that. It's not another organization. That's you. We do that in, in, in CORE in Africa. We support them every month and have for five, six, seven years now. But you know what? There's kids right here in our own neighborhood who, who don't know Jesus yet. And they need a courageous man who is willing to step up. I mean, a, a man who's unashamed to bow his knee to Jesus Christ. And that's what has happened in our vacation Bible adventure. And the greatest number we've ever had so far is like 800 kids in one year, you know. And the lowest we've ever had was 350 kids. So it falls somewhere in between. But it takes about 300 adults to pull off our vacation Bible adventure. Right now we have about half of that number signed up. Now I know something about Faith Living Church people. We're very patient. And we wait till the last moment to sign up. I understand that. <laughs> but just so you men know, and thank God for the women, they're the first responders. They really are. They really are. We couldn't do it without you. But I want you men to know you make an eternal difference in the life of kids when you show up and help us out to reach these kids. And this year, we're going to have three full-size, 100% authentic Indian teepees on the front lawn. We're not going to have a big old square tent. We're going to have Indian teepees. I don't know if you saw what our theme is. Something about being brave, you know. And uh, so we need you men and, and women to help us out. And we don't have but about a month or so to go. Uh, in a, the book of Ephesians chapter 4, verse 2, it says, Be humble and gentle. 
be patient. You know, you wait a while before you sign for VBA. So what's talking about here, you know, be humble and gentle, be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Hmm. A hero's call is to serve others. Are we willing to make allowance for other people? Some mistakes? We should. Because how many of us have ever made a mistake before? About 12 of you guys? The rest of you just made a mistake by not raising your hand, so get them up there, okay? That's the truth of it. And then it goes on to say here in 1 Corinthians 16, 14, we read it a while ago, and everything you do must be done with love. And it genuinely takes courage to love, to love kids, to love your family, to love your neighbor. Even if our families have been broken and all, you do the best that you can do for our little kids and for our grown adult kids. You just love them. Dads, I commend you. You're an everyday hero. And we've got the courage to step out and do the right thing and step out and say, hey, I blew it. I made a mistake, you know, but to be real. Um, you ever heard of a, uh, a lady by the name of Irma Bombeck? All the greeting cards at the CVS and all the little card shops, she wrote probably half of them, you know? And uh, someone had written her a letter and asked her, says, well, what do dads do? And so she responds to that letter. And it wasn't, she says, it wasn't until my husband and I had children that I was able to observe firsthand what a father contributed to a child's life. And you got to know her life is not your life. So hers is going to be a little bit different, you know, but it's inspiring. What did the father, what did the father do to deserve his children's respect? And she goes on to say, well, he rarely fed them or he rarely did anything for their sagging diapers. And he rarely did anything to wipe their noses or their fannies. He rarely played ball with them or bonded with them under the hood of their car. Her husband rarely did any of that. But what did he do? He threw them higher than his head until they were weak from laughing. He cast the deciding vote on the puppy debate. Yes, we'll get a puppy, you know. He listened more than he talked. He let them make mistakes. He allowed them to fall from their first two-wheeler without having a heart attack. He read a newspaper while they were trying to parallel park the car for the first time in preparation for their driving test. If I had to tell someone, son, what a father really does that's important, it would be that he shows up for the job in good times and bad. Even if you've got divided families, you can still show up. You can still be there for your kids as best as you can. He's a man who is constantly being observed by his children. They learn from him how to handle adversity and anger and disappointment and success. He won't laugh at their dreams no matter how impossible they might seem. He goes out at 1 a.m. when one of his children run out of gas. He'll make unpopular decisions and he'll stand by them. And when he is wrong and makes a mistake, he'll admit it. And he sets the tone for how... how Family members treat one another and how they treat members of the opposite sex and how they treat people who are different than they are. By example, he can instill the desire to give something back to the community when the community's needs are greater than their own. You know, 
one of our community's needs, genuinely, is our kids need to, to be loved, and they need to see Christianity demonstrated by men who are unashamed, who are courageous, you know, who are willing to fight a grizzly bear with a pocket knife if necessary, but they'll bend their knee to the Savior. You know, fathers, Irma Bombeck said, fathers involve themselves in their kids' lives. And there are so many children in this day and time who need a father-like figure who will involve himself, his time, his energy, maybe some of his money in their lives to make an eternal difference and nudge them a little bit closer to Christ. Now, our Heavenly Father, and you'll see Jesus refers to our Heavenly Father. He refers to him as Abba Father. Have you all read that in the Bible? Three times in the New Testament, he's referred to as Abba Father. <coughs> and that's like saying, Father, Father, you know? And it's a term of endearment from you, and it might be, Daddy. Would you ever call God Daddy? Hey, Daddy. Or Abba Father? Or Father God? Or Papa God? Would you ever do such a thing? Some people think it's disrespectful. It's not. Let me tell you what's disrespectful. When Susan and I first came to New England, <coughs> and I saw teenagers calling their dad by his first name. It's like, boy, you wouldn't survive the South if you'd have been down there, that's for sure. <laughs> we say yes, sir, and no, sir, and yes, ma'am, and no, ma'am, or you're picking yourself up off the floor on the other side of the room. I'm just being honest with you. There's a great amount of respect given to our parents, and, off, and that is so respectful to show terms of endearment to our parents. I mean, you know, my dad's been with Jesus now for 20 years, and Susan's dad's been with him 22 years. But you know what? Nothing has ever changed. We still show great respect. And some of you guys always correct me. Don't call me sir. Don't call me ma'am, you know. But I would have never called my dad by his first name. It just, it was the most respectful thing to do to call him, you know, dad, you know. And uh, when we go to God, it's okay to say Father God or Abba Father or Papa God. And some people don't like that because they don't want to be that close to God, to be honest with you. They'd rather be disrespectful. But that's okay. That is okay to call God by a term of endearment. He's not just some nebulous power out there who comes and helps us, you know, overcome addictions or something like that. But he's dear. And he knows our name and how many hairs is on our head. And fathers, he is such an awesome, fantastic role model for you and me. So it's okay to use those terms of endearment when you're talking to God. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 58, it says, Therefore, my dear brothers, stand firm. Let nothing move you. I'm talking about being like an anchor, like a rock. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord. You know, fully. Like when you go to a ball game. Any of you, you guys ever go to a ball game and you kind of get excited about a ball game? A couple of you guys? You don't want to let me know, do you? Okay, well. Well, we can be the same in our serving God. We can be enthusiastic. We can hoop and holler and do all kinds of crazy things because of our love for God who sent his son here, the greatest hero of all times, to rescue us. And we can love him. And children will learn. And older uh, young adults, young men and women will learn, that, hey, dad, or this dad-like figure in my life, he's not ashamed of Jesus. He lives for him boldly and out loud. 
So in uh, Proverbs 19, 17, it says, if you help the poor, and there's some people, they get all the money they need, but they're poor in relationships. They're poor in some godly figures in their life, some men figures in their life. But he says, if you help the poor, you're lending to the Lord, and he will repay you. So I want to challenge you men. Give your time into the lives of your own children and other people's children and other people who comes into your sphere of influence. Give your time. Give your energy. Give your resources. And I want to challenge you to sign up and help us out at Vacation Bible Adventure. And if you go, I really don't have time, well, then we will take your money if you want to offer that instead. It takes a lot of money to pull off a Vacation Bible Adventure. You know, if you guys are the one who pay for the teepees and for the eight school buses that we rent for the week and all the tons of candy we give away. You may not appreciate that, but the kids love it, you know. They'll invite their friends to come for a piece of candy and all the gifts and all the drama and all the crazy things we do for the week. It costs time, energy, and it costs money. So if, if you want to contribute to that, please do your time, your energy, your money to help us do VBA for one more year and to reach hundreds of kids and to nudge them closer to Jesus. There's nothing that I do in my life in a, in a year's time that's more important than seeing hundreds and hundreds of children coming in and falling in love with Jesus, and they find out that living for Jesus is supposed to be fun. It genuinely is. So anyhow, and God will take care of whatever your needs are. That's the truth of it, you know. So deep down, we all have this, this longing for significance, and we want to do something heroic. We really do. And I thank you, dads, that you've been doing that a lot already. And I challenge you to help us out at our VBA this year. And just continue to let Jesus shine through you. It's so important that we let him shine through us. You know, there was a little girl one time and she was asking her mom, she said, Mom, I was at church and the pastor said that, that uh, God is bigger than we are. Is that true? I said, honey, yes, that's true. God is a lot bigger than we are. And the preacher also said that God lives in us. Is that true, Mommy? Well, honey, that, that's true. And she, the little girl says, well, if, if God is bigger than we are and he lives in us, wouldn't he shine through? It's like, you know what? I think we would, uh, we would overflow with God. If he's really bigger than us and he lives in us, I think we would overflow and he would shine out through us. What do you think? And, and guys, I commend you. I genuinely do. And dads, I honor you and respect you and pray for you. And God will continue to give you the courage and the strength to do the right things. So if, we're going to do a drawing for a man basket in just a moment. But before we do that, we want to pray for all the dads who are here and who are downstairs, who are watching, who are in the balcony, or who are watching online. So we can get the dads just to stand up for a moment. And we're going to, all of us, we're going to join our faith and we're going to ask a blessing on these guys. So all you dads, and if you got the heart of a dad, you are being daddy for somebody, you're loving them, you stand up. Be unashamed. Father, we join our faith right now, and we ask your blessings to be poured out upon these men. Help these men to make good decisions day by day. I ask that right now, Lord, as we come to you, that you'd forgive them all the, the mistakes and the things of their past, and give them the courage and the strength to live a life that honors you and nudges little guys and girls and big guys and girls closer to you. Lord, cause these men to recognize that they are everyday heroes. Though they don't wear a cape, 
they serve and they care about people and that they're making an eternal difference in the lives of others. Bless them, almighty God, I ask. And I thank you for these guys who are here on a Sunday morning worshiping you, hearing what your word has to say instead of just pursuing some other hobby. Bless these men, almighty God. Bless these in the balcony, those that are downstairs in the cafe. Bless the men who are watching online right now and encourage them and and, and Lord, calls us to know that we're forgiven and we're cleansed and we're loved by our Father. So we honor you today and we show you respect and honor, our Heavenly Father, our Papa God. Thank you for being there for us and helping us every step of the way. Now, as our heads are still bowed for a moment, I'd like for these dads to join me as well as all the other men and women in this room and let's reaffirm our faith and our Heavenly Father as we honor our Heavenly Father on this Father's Day. Would you join me as we pray? Dear Heavenly Father, we do love you because you love us first. We believe you sent your son Jesus. We believe he gave his life on the cross as a ransom for us, to rescue us. We believe that Jesus rose from the dead and that he's knocking at the door of our heart. We open wide that door, and we welcome Jesus into our life as our Savior. Thank you for all that you have done. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay.